Welcome to the Truth CSGO Podcast, episode 40. It's going to be a monster episode today. We're covering Yanko going to MIBR as a coach, drama in the journalist community, E-League premiere, IEM Shanghai, and an interview with Tommy from Boot Dreamscape. This is Tommy, and this is the Truth CSGO Podcast. Are we rushing in, or are we going sneaky-beaky-like? Right, first up, let's get down to the breaking news that broke uh, around about seven hours ago. Yanko has been confirmed as the coach of MIBR, Made in Brazil. Yanko or Yanko Pavlovic, if you're not aware of exactly who he is, he is a Serbian analyst. He's been an analyst in Counter-Strike now for a couple of years. Previously, he was a professional player for teams such as iNation, and they became GamePub. And later on, a team called Aim Face, one word. Um, at the time, he was playing with a little-known player called Nicolino, Nicolino, who later became Nico on Phase. But uh, he's uh, he's been a, a wonderful addition to the desks. I think when I really got back into CS:GO, he was only just starting to be used at events, and I thought, who is this kind of dry, deadpan, unemotional, robotic? Eastern European guy but I have to say once you get used to him and when uh, you get used to him pretty quickly he he becomes uh, it becomes evident that he's got a very thorough understanding and a very um, insightful understanding of how teams use their strengths well especially in mid-round calls uh, and I always found his analysis actually some of the best pretty sober in his assessment of of how teams seem to do especially in terms of their team play. So I think this is a, a huge pickup for MIBR. Uh, if you were to say who's probably one of the best people you could get into coach in the entirety of CSGO, you know, he's probably up there. So this is massive for them. And it could be a good fit, I'd say, because the Brazilians already have the passion, right? Maybe they've dropped off a bit. Maybe the motivation is not lacking in the, uh, in the recent months or in the last six months. But, um, if you'd asked me what sort of coach they they needed, I wouldn't have said you need someone to G them up and get them excited. They're, they're capable of doing that themselves. And as far as I can tell, Fallen's traditionally been the uh, the guy for that anyway, been the heart and soul and the, uh, the hot blood for that team um, in terms of, you know, pumping out the blood that uh, then gets uh, people like Cold Zero and Fur excited. Obviously, Tarek and Stewie have their own motivations now, but... Um, Having someone with a clear, concise, analytical brain to just get them back on track in terms of how they're practicing, what they need to do to get a better te- to get a better teamwork, what they need to do to mesh with these players. I mean, who who has watched more Counter Strike than Yanko in the last couple of years? Who's seen more of uh, Tarek and Stewie and the other three players um, for Cold Zero and Fallen? I mean, there, there wouldn't be many. So this is probably a guy who's got a, a great umbrella view of the whole um, of the whole team scenario as well. So I think that's a great pickup for them. Uh, Yanka will be missed on the desk, but there are, I'm sure there's no shortage of analysts chomping at the bit to take his place. Uh, it'd be nice to see MIBR turn things around. I've expressed skepticism as to the as to where I think the core that core of uh, of five players can go. It seems a little bizarre to me as a lineup but um perhaps yanko will be the man to make it work now uh there's been a lot of drama recently in the csgo community and it's revolved somewhat around richard lewis although he hasn't been the one necessarily to create it uh <clears throat> richard lewis is someone who's been involved in the scene for uh, even longer than yanko and for those of my of you who are my regular listeners, uh, I'd like to give a little more background on some of these stories because I do know I'm picking up people uh, all the time who are, are new to the scene. Richard Lewis has been around a long time, but he really made his name breaking out some some big stories like uh, Phantom Lord and T. Martin uh, owning gambling sites that they were promoting online, uh, the I Buy Power throwing story. He copped a lot of flack for those, as far as I'm aware. Uh I guess Richard Lewis really came onto my radar uh, 
in a big way because he was hosting the E-League shows for Turner, which was, I think he, I think he started that last year. And he was a fantastic desk host. I thought he was great. Uh, he's very skilled. And um, as you'll know, of course, I've plugged him and uh, Thorin's podcast on this podcast many times when it started back up. Uh, when, when was it? Last year sometime as well. So obviously a valued member of the community in terms of the time he's put in and his insight into all the uh, players and teams on the scene. Uh, He was really my... The the controversy really started with a player called Doc from FPL, Face It Pro League, who was playing without a mic, uh, wasn't talking online, but was putting up amazing plays. There was uh, accusations that he was cheating. He made up a whole lot of stories to cover the fact that he wouldn't talk. He he, he made up a, a bunch of lies that then later turned out to be uh, you know, turned out to be lies. Uh, a bunch of excuses, sorry, that turned out to be lies. Uh, Richard Lewis insinuated that the guy wasn't very trustworthy, considering he'd <laughs> done all this lying. He didn't say the guy was cheating, but he got a lot of hatred for it. I'm not sure why. Uh, when I say hatred, I mean just, you know, people on Reddit, people on HLTV, uh, people on his Twitter. Um, he was mired in more contra- controversy when Labanica, who I think is just a streamer. I didn't really know the guy beforehand. I'd sort of heard of him and I'd seen his Twitter a couple of times, uh, was brought in to replace Crystal on Imperial. Now, if you haven't been keeping up with uh, what's going on, Imperial uh, was a team or is a team that had a couple of good results recently, mainly because of a player called Esperanto. Esperanto was a young, I think he's Lithuanian or Estonian player who was putting up some great numbers and took them to a title. Uh, I think it was Dreamhack. Oh, God. It was a Dreamhack uh, title recently anyway. Esperanto stepped out of the team because he was unhappy with Crystal. Later on, the team brought him back and kicked Crystal out and brought in Labanica and another player. Richard Lewis pointed out the fact that Labanica was somewhat of a racist uh, because of these tweets he'd made previously on his Twitter when Imperial said, you know, where's the evidence? I think, as far as I can believe, I thought, sorry, as far as I can tell, Richard Lewis showed the tweets that Labanica had put out to Imperial and they promptly got rid of him. Um... And uh, he got a lot of hatred and backlash from the community for that. Um, and then finally, the <laughs> the last sort of controversy that's really happened in the last two weeks was uh, with Rush B, who um, I've given him a plug on this podcast a few times because he, he brought out a podcast shortly after I started this one. And, uh, you know, the more the merrier, as far as I'm concerned, the more content we have to consume, the more the better the content will be, the better the, the you know, the scene, the more the scene will grow. And um, turns out that there'd been some journalistic practices that Richard Lewis didn't agree with uh, and pointed out. And there was also a bit of shenanigans going on with Rush B's Discord and some of the people who were following him and also perhaps writing for his website, which is called Rush B Media. Um, and... Uh, he, he got a lot of hatred for that, for pointing that out from the Rush B fans. And uh, that resulted in Ryan from Rush B and the founder of it all uh, putting out a twit longer where he basically quit the scene for good. So, <laughs> it's a lot of stuff that's gone down in the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's resulted in also Richard Lewis saying that he won't appear in any more Counter-Strike related uh, events. Um apart from his um, podcast, it would appear. So um, I guess firstly, I would just comment on Richard Lewis. And look, you have to take my comments with a grain of salt because there's no way I am on top of every single little detail in both of these cases or all of these cases. There's, there's far too much for me. It's probably enough for one person to get to the bottom of it all, but far too much for me to get to the bottom of it all. I only know what, really what I can ascertain from... A few sources which I uh, follow, like Reddit and HLTV and, and some of Richard Lewis's tweeted, tweets and, and what whatnot. But um, as far as I can tell, he's had a bit of a tough upbringing, M- Mr. Lewis. He, he talks, that, talks about things like coming from the projects and how hard he had to fight to get where he was. So he's, he's, he's got, a, got an upbringing that has um, given him a willingness to fight if a fight comes his way. Uh, it's understandable. 
unfortunately, when you are a casual observer, or even when you're someone like me who can't follow everything, uh, it's easy to see his comments in isolation because he's quite visible and he's more visible than the people who criticize him. And in that sense, it can be very easy to think that he's a very aggressive person without much cause for it. And even when there might be some mitigating circumstances, like when he's getting death threats, which he talks about, and uh, like when he's getting piled on for making comments against people like Labanica, who, if you just check out his Twitter, you'll see is not necessarily, um, I don't know, a model citizen. Um, I think this is a massive shame that Richard will leave the scene. As I said, I thought he was a great desk host at E-League. I, I, I enjoy very much his podcast with Thorin. I enjoy his podcasts, um, even when they're not about CS. But I think more importantly, like people like Red Eye, like Scoots, uh, Richard's one of the people who seems to have been there from the beginning. And having them around, especially when you enter the scene, you, you know, later on, other than, later than people like that, they're really useful to give you perspective. And and he's one of the voices, one of the voices like Red Eye and Scoots, who've been there from from the beginning, who give who give people just coming in a sense of history and a sense of what's sort of the acceptable way to behave. And, and 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 it puts things into their place a bit, and and it was very valuable, I think, having figures like him who had been there from the beginning when when I entered. Um, I suspect, like with Rush B, Richard Lewis's involvement with CS may not actually be completely over. Uh, his podcast will go on, for instance, but uh, he has just announced a partnership with Rivalry.gg just moments before recording this podcast which appears to be some sort of gambling website. Personally, I don't like gambling websites. I don't like gambling full stop. And it's a shame to see him finally accept sponsorship from a gambling website. He's released a 15-minute video explaining why he has taken this and why he believes this gambling website to be ethical. And look, at the end of the day, we all need to survive, right? I've promoted cigarettes in a past life just to pay the rent. That's a long story, but... um. It's a shame that uh, that's what it's come to for him. Now, Rush B, I should just clarify, I've had a few things to do with him in the past. He reached out when he was going to the major and um, asked me very nicely whether I had any questions for the pros that he would like, uh, that I would like him to ask them. Uh, he was always very complimentary about my podcasts and often retweeted the episodes. Uh, I did notice when no one had listened to his podcast a few episodes in, he sort of seemed to despair a bit. Uh, which is completely understandable. I can't remember what his tweet was about, but it was kind of as if he expected it all to happen really quickly. And he was really hungry for that validation. And I get it. Like, it's really easy to put heaps of effort into content, spend hours and hours, put out, you know, an hour or whatever it is on the internet and just get absolute radio silence in return. People just do not care. And it can make you go crazy. Um, all of which is to say, I guess it really didn't come as a surprise when Ryan put out this dramatic twit longer leaving the scene. And it's why I don't really believe that he will be gone. Um, but at the very at the very least, both he and Richard said they'd had death threats. And if that's true, then I don't really blame either of them. Uh, he also put out in, in, in his statement, he mentioned that he was feeling obliged that uh, the pressure was getting to him too much. And he had this website and it appeared to me, as far as I can tell, and, as, and in terms of some of Richard Lewis's comments, that he was getting people writing for the site with the promise that they would eventually sort of earn paid work. Um, so it's possible that that added pressure to him on a day-to-day -day basis. And I would also say, um, maybe last episode or the episode before, I talked about the pressure I'd been feeling with this podcast, which is purely a not a non-profit. I'm losing money making it. Uh, it has nothing to do with my day job. And yet I was feeling a bit of pressure for it to be successful, for the content to be as slick as possible, to put it out regularly, to be thorough in my... Um, you know, in my analysis of things, when when there's actually zero pressure on me whatsoever. And so a sense of sort of false obligation is, is very, it can very quickly build up without you realizing it. And and look, Ryan had taken on a lot more than I had. And, and as far as I can tell, still had a full-time job. So I'm not surprised that uh, the pressure got to him. Um, but it is a very, sh it's, it's, it's a real shame because um it was nice to see a young voice who was, uh, I don't know, making it happen for himself. Um, I think I think overall, this sort of drama, 
possibly stems from the same dangers of the internet. And I guess I've been thinking about this a lot, as we all have been. Uh, but there, there is a huge disconnect between ourselves and the core of ourselves and what we might think and what we might believe and what we might say our values or our morals are if we were asked and how we actually act online and the the things we actually say online it's very easy to get uh very attuned to the feedback the uh, dopamine hits from clicks and likes and and friending and, and followers and and watching our followers or our likes go up and getting alerts uh on our phones and whatnot but uh, what this does actually is, is is hijack our humanity. And that, that probably sounds like a, a bit of a radical statement, but actually it's accessing a part of the brain, the reptilian side, that literally does bypass our, our reasoning. And, um, and I think probably our, our more considered human side, in the same way that drug addicts can, you know, sell out their family members for a score, I think we can often be very quick to react online or to post something that perhaps we we wouldn't post given a little more thought purely because we can sense the immediate feedback that is just out of just 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 out of reach or just around the corner if we press send if we press upload if we press tweet bang we'll get a reaction and um, unfortunately that sort of short-term gain from those sorts of actions uh, really really um doesn't really take into account who we might actually be deep down. I think Ryan is probably a far more good-natured person than some of... Well, 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 had better intentions, I think, than it seemed like some of these uh, shenanigans led to. And I'm sure Richard did too, because whenever he isn't on the offence or defence, um, I've seen some really wonderful statements from him. For instance, recently with Golden Boy another caster who he reached out to who was quite emotional when he saw himself on TV. Uh, so, unfortunately, it just seems like uh, bad communication all around and it's facilitated by the internet. You know, I was thinking recently um, as well, and this is, just a, this is just a thought that I'll just chuck out there and I'll probably expand on later on, but um, one, of the, one of the ways we get self-esteem is by making decisions, right? Because each decision we make is a little further definition of our values and it is a little further definition of who we are and what we want, which then leads to self-esteem. So the less decisions we make, therefore, the less chance we have of improving our self-esteem. Now, one of the ways I think we're making less decisions on a regular basis, and I don't just mean on a daily basis, I mean like every minute, is because we have algorithms that are constantly making decisions for us. A lot of what we are exposed to on the internet, on our phones, on our social media, even just on ads, are algorithmically selected for us. And when we react to them, we're accepting those decisions that were made for us. We could actually spend the entire day reacting to someone else's decisions for us. It's basically like when we used to sit in front of the television for four or five hours after coming home from work and be forced to sit through if we you know, didn't have the will not to. Not only programs that were on a very limited you know, were very limited in their selection for us, but also ads that were incredibly uh, limited in their selection for us. What I'm getting at is because of all the suggestions I'm getting uh, for content all day and all the decisions are being made for me by large programs, by the large nodes, Facebook, Twitter, Google, uh, Amazon, Apple, etc. Is my self-esteem therefore less? And um, I would say it probably is. I'm becoming less human because I'm making less decisions, which means I'm getting less satisfied with my life in general, which means I'm having less self-esteem in general, which means that when my Twitter follower isn't as big as the, the guy next to me, uh, for some reason it, it, uh, it makes me feel really shitty when a week prior I didn't even have a Twitter account, you know? I thought Twitter was stupid or I didn't care about how many followers I had. I think this is a topic that requires a whole lot more <laughs> thought than what I'm putting into it, but you get my drift. And we've got E-League Premier and IEM Shanghai to talk about, so let's move on to those. 
So firstly, E-League Premier, the last episode we got up to the semis. It has since finished. And in the semis, Liquid beat Na'Vi 2-0, which wasn't exactly expected. Na'Vi were very much the favourites going into that. It appeared that Liquid had a chemistry, which we perhaps were not aware of, although we might have been had we looked at the previous matchup between these two teams, because Liquid have actually had quite a good record against Na'Vi. Indeed, some are even calling them the kryptonite to Na'Vi. But uh, Twist was putting up massive numbers, especially there. Naf was still playing very well. Uh, and Nitro was playing, um, I guess, back at the level he sometimes gets to. The other semi-final match was Australis against Mouse Sports. Australis beat them 2-0. This was not a huge surprise. Snacks could not rally Mouse Sports uh, hard enough to beat Australis. I think Australis are just on that extra level right now. And... Whether or not Snacks is the person to bring Mouse Sports up to that level still remains to be seen, but perhaps with the amount of uh, practice time they had as a team, you couldn't really expect that he would. The Grand Finals, therefore, saw Liquid facing up against Australis in a best of three. Map one was Inferno, and Australis absolutely decimated Liquid here. Uh, I think Australis have beat Liquid three times in three semifinals in the last year. 2-0, maybe? Uh, I think maybe maybe Liquid's won one map off them. So this is becoming a bit of a recurring storyline. Uh, Liquid said they were quite uh, confident coming into this. But in this first map, winning 16-3 was a bit of a shock. I mean, it was, it was a massacre. Um, Naf had come out and said that uh, Tarko's father passing away, which had happened just a few days prior, was going to give them fuel and they were going to play for him. But unfortunately, it wasn't enough. Uh, Liquid seemed a bit unfocused, actually. I don't know whether I would call it tilted, but they were rushing everywhere. And it it was like they were sort of desperate for a kill. And I'm sure we've all been in that mode in in matchmaking where nothing feels right and you just kind of keep pushing. And you're like, why do I keep pushing? I'm not even... uh, I'm just playing like a headless chicken. So who knows what happened there. Australis setups and rotations just seem absolutely perfect and all of the Australis players went off at different times. But mainly uh, Majisk uh, played like a maniac. But that was probably because uh, Liquid pushed A most of the times. If you want a, a masterclass on how to play Arch on Inferno on the CT side, I would check out the demo from Majisk or Magisk as he has schooled me uh, from his point of view. In between these two maps now, we did see the products of the Cloud9 <laughs> US Army sponsorship, which I did mention last week. We saw, who was it? I'm a Pet, Skadoodle, Rush, uh, and maybe that was it. And Automatic doing some sort of um, bomb disposal tactics, which uh, was pretty bizarre. You know, I, I think what I found bizarre, bizarre about it last week at the announcement was this is the army that um, that was more or less, you know responsible for turning the tide in world war ii had uh, the u.s not stepped into world war ii it's quite possible that we'd all be living in um the third reich as of now but yet here they are partnered with a professional csgo organization and doing fun videos about bomb disposal not that i have anything against it uh it was fun to watch but um yeah pretty bizarre now map two of this uh, matchup was nuke and it wasn't as much of a runover as the first one. Liquid began CT side and seemed to have Australis's number, actually, with some of their setups and strats. They got off to a great start. And on the T side, uh, Liquid just seemed to make some really bad decisions. Uh, and they kind of got back to that headless mode. Now, Nitro was IGL. Uh, and his calls, I thought, were all over the shop. And it was like five of them would push somewhere and then the smoke would go down. And they'd all turn around and just sort of conga line it back to another part of the map which was like what (laughs) what's the point of having a plan if it hinges on getting through one single smoke you know and look perhaps they just needed to take a break and without zeus their normal coach there um you know they didn't have that calming presence they didn't have someone going hey look let's take a time out just relax Think about what you're doing. Uh, so anyway, Stralis thrashed them 2-0. Uh, 
It was not the greatest grand final, I would have to say, because it was a bit one-sided. But um, if Liquid can get their crap together and focus and calm down, I think we're going to see some more good stuff from them. Australis obviously are a bit untouchable right now. It's a shame not to see them play a better team in the finals, but uh, it means there's a lot more up for grabs in the major. Now let's move on to IEM Shanghai that is currently being played out. Recording, we are in the middle of IEM Shanghai. Unfortunately, the timing of these podcasts mean that uh, I'm once again in the second day of a tournament. I just uh, can't really predict when I have the time available to do them. Anyway, if you're not quite aware of exactly what's going on in Shanghai right now, this is a $250,000 competition. It ends on August the 6th, and it features eight teams, NRG, Hellraisers, Virtus Pro, Five Power, Tai Lu, Boot, Dreamscape, Gambit, and Greyhound. Now, the first day... Well, sorry, I should just mention, it's bloody nice to have a tournament where I'm not staying up until the early hours of the morning and having to shelve no-dos just to be awake for a grand final. I mean, I am kind of working when it's on, but at least I can kind of put it in the background and do other things. Now, the first day we had NRG beating 5 Power, which was expected. NRG are basically, I'd say, the favourites for this, although perhaps Tai Lu has a lot of fans, especially with Ben Tett um, muscling his way into sort of international visibility in the last six months. The second best of one was Virtus Pro versus Hellraisers. Virtus Pro lost this one. Hellraisers won it. And the new pickup they've got, Morels, I think he's perhaps a stand-in or on trial. He just seemed completely out of his depth. I think he was two kills down by the second half. And uh, maybe even further on in the game than that. Uh, and, and overall, the team had very, very little cohesion. Their buys didn't even make sense. People would go through the round, you know, begin the round not having a gun while other people had money to buy a gun. It just was as if they weren't talking to each other at all, uh, which, is a, which is just, I don't know. It's just a shame, isn't it? It's just a shame. They were talking about Pasha uh, during this. It was being cast by Sadikist and Sponge. And I think we underestimate just how valuable Pasha and the Virtus Pro team were. I'm not going to bang on about it. You've heard me talk about it before. But the first person I took notice of in Counter-Strike, the first personality I really picked up on was Pasha Biceps. Yeah, okay, as they say, he's worth a lot of money in marketing terms. But to see this happen just makes me go, ah, ah, why isn't the organization treating this asset better? And, I mean, the rest of them too. It's a real shame. The second, the, the third uh, best of one was Boot Dreamscape. They actually managed to beat Gambit, which I think is probably one of their best results uh, recently. Uh, in this interview I'm going to do with Tommy, you'll learn a little bit more about where they came from. But um, not not exactly expected that they would beat Gambit, especially as Gambit now has Blade as a coach. Blade came over from Flipside. If you're not quite aware of his background, Blade's been around a long time. Flipside hasn't done much in the last few years except sort of seemingly continually uh, qualifying for majors, although I don't think they made the last one. So... It, it, you know, they were really in need of a coach, really in need of some sort of guidance after winning Krakow and then losing Zeus and seemingly floating away on the wind. But it wasn't enough to beat Boot DS. Uh, the fourth matchup was Greyhound versus Tai Lu. Greyhound debuted um, some very spiffy-looking shirts, probably the most ridiculous team shirts I've ever seen in Counter-Strike. There were these sort of floral numbers with short sleeves with the Greyhound logo seemingly tacked on. Uh, they looked like party boys uh, at some sort of, I don't know, how would you call it, like a Bondi yacht party. and uh, or, or perhaps they, they looked like they were on some sort of Bucks weekend drinking Coronas. Unfortunately, the threads weren't enough to stop Tai Lu mashing them into the ground. They did have some good plays. Uh, what's his face? Dexter <clears throat> had some great plays, uh, but it wasn't enough for the engine that is Tai Lu. Tai Lu, I have to say, I did tweet this out, excurate or accurate. I'm not sure what you say, but in my interview with him, he was quite happy with excurate. Is is just getting better and better. He's the opera for Tai Lu, and 
I think he's going to be a top 20 player come 2019. You heard it here first, or perhaps you didn't, but uh, I'm going to take credit for it anyway. Um, just in terms of the the casting, I thought sponge casting with Sadikus was good, but it made me realize one reason why Henry G and Sadikus are such a great duo. Sadikus has a higher register than Henry, who is quite deep, and it gives the two voices a very different flavor, and it gives the commentary much more color. I think the two English guys who cast together, I forget their, their names, one of them is... Um, just Harry and uh, the other one I forget but uh, they have a very similar register too and it never quite pops as much as duos like Henry G and Sadikist. Sponge has a, has quite a similar register to Sadikist, and so I'd like to see Sponge perhaps with someone like Vince where you've got Sponge a slightly higher register with a bit of the cheek uh, paired with someone like Vince, who is a bit deeper, a bit more serious, so you can really pick up when one person is talking and when the mic's shifted. Not that I can't tell the difference between Sadikus and Sponge, but just a little bit more colour for the ears, you know. When you're, uh, when you're a sound engineer and you're mastering, let's say, a pop song, you want to make sure that there's a nice spread in the, in the, um, in the what do you call it, in the frequency range, that there's enough bass to offset the treble. You don't want it too much in one way. And I think... Uh, I, I haven't really heard anyone talk about this before. Probably it's been covered somewhere on Reddit. But I think when we're looking at casting duos, or if you're a, if you're a young caster looking for a partner, you should definitely get someone who's got some a voice that lands somewhere different in the register to you. And if you don't know how to decide it, sit down at a computer with both of you, speaking to a mic, and look at the waveform. Every every uh, uh, audio program now will have some way that you can look at the, the equalization, basically, where your voice is landing on the spectrum, and just make sure that you guys are different in the spectrum, because I think you'll have a lot more possibility for success. Now, there are also two best of threes that were played yesterday. One was NRG versus Hellraiser in a best of three. NRG sort of just won. I don't think they won that convincingly. Cirque put up, put up some good numbers. The other best of three to decide the Group B winners was Boot Dreamscape versus Ty Lu, and Ty Lu managed to win that 2-0, as I said, partially because Excurit's just beasting, and Ben Ted is basically the god of Chinese Counter-Strike at this point. And um, so today we are seeing Five Power face off against Virtus Pro in a best of three, and Gambit face off against Greyhound in a best of three. And the winners of both of those will face off once again against... Oh, no, the losers will face off against Hellraisers and Dreamscape to determine the lower bracket. Currently, actually, uh, Five Power are facing Virtus Pro. As I'm recording this, I have the match going on the corner of my eye. Virtus Pro have lost the first map and are down in the second one, 7-13, once again on cash. The good news is Morels is fragged. I think he's top fragging right now. So who knows what was going on yesterday? Perhaps a case of the nerves but it doesn't look good for Virtus Pro at this point and perhaps we will see them out of the competition by the time this podcast is finished so let's move on to this interview with Tommy Tommy is one of the players for Boot DS who unfortunately don't look like they'll they have much of a future in this competition they've still got one chance to make it but um, I think they're outclassed quite obviously by teams like Tai Lu. Uh, now, but but Tommy was um, was a really lovely guy, and I got to have a long chat with him because not many people wanted to speak to Boot Dreamscape when they were at IEM Sydney, so I got to uh, commandeer him for quite some time. If you're not too familiar with the team, Dreamscape was a team that was around for a couple of years, and then they were taken over, or, or it seems like Boot sort of bought in some sort of sponsorship. Actually, I should really do my research on this, but... Um, I'm not a journalist, so you can look it up if you really want to know the details. Either way, once Boot came in, uh, the, the team seemed to get a lot more professional, and Tommy will talk about it some more. One of the things they did uh, initiate was getting in a coach, and one of the coaches they have, they have two coaches um, listed on HLTV, uh, on, on Liquipedia, I should say. That's what I'm looking at right now. One of the coaches is called Alex. I'm not quite sure too much uh, about his history, Although he did used to play, let's say, 2013, 2015, 2016. The other coach is DSN, who you probably would know better. He was a 1.6 player, um, a French guy, and he was out of the scene for a while until he was sort of brought out of retirement teaching English in Taipei and has been trying to give the team a little more teamwork and cohesion, which seems to have been working. 
So let's get to this interview with Tommy. Lovely to speak to you. Thanks for speaking to me. Hey, Should yeah. I call you Tommy? Yeah, sure. Okay. So you got your name from Power Rangers. Yeah, basically. The character that Jason David Frank played yeah. in the first season yep. and the movies, yep. etc. Exactly. And you've just told me that you are still a Power Ranger fan. Yeah. I love yeah. it. He's having a movie that's coming out, so now, really looking forward to it. So there's a movie that's coming out with yeah. Jason David Frank. Is he making it? No, he's not. This is like... It's like a mini mini story, I think. Mm-hmm. It's like maybe 20 minutes long. I don't know. Okay, so this is not like the big Hollywood it's thing not, that not came out. It's not the big Hollywood one. Uh-huh. Like it's, I think it's probably going to come on YouTube or something. This is like a fan-made... It's not, it's not a fan-made thing, but it's like the darker version of it. Oh. Like, he, he is... I think he's always wanted to do it, so... Is it like he's addicted to drugs? No, no, it's like he killed all the foreigners. Oh, really? Yeah, he's the evil... Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he always was going back and forth, right? Yeah, so in this movie, I think... Instead of like going back to good, so he just continued being evil as a green ranger and then kill everybody. Okay. So he's, he's, he's the villain. In this yeah, movie. in this movie. Are there actually going to be rangers fighting him? I'm not sure. Like, that's the only trailer. The only part of the trailer you can oh, see is just trailer. him being evil. Shit. Have you been watching like the Disney series as well since then? Uh, the recent ones are not good. I prefer the old ones. <laughs> no, no, let's get to Counter Strike. Yeah. Because that's what we're here to talk about. Um, you guys have seemingly come from nowhere. Yeah. I don't know anything about you, yeah. so I'm going to ask you to tell my listeners all, right, all sure. about you and about Dreamscape. Okay. Um, so I learned a bit. I've heard, let's start with a rumour, a dirty rumour that's swirling around, which is that you guys are just mates and you're hanging around in the house and you don't practice at all. <laughs> and this is just an amazing like accident that you're here and you've done so well. No, this is it's not, this is not true. It's like... Cause like at the start of last year we were, we were really like practicing we had all the gaming like we had boot camps we had a gaming house but it was not productive like we had so many problems because of all our egos and stuff mm-hmm. like just recently we just threw it away mm-hmm. and we decided to focus on CS so getting winter our new addition to the mm-hmm. team so um, it, it gives it's giving us more motivation to work harder so okay yeah, we didn't have much practice before IEM Sydney, so the reason we came here is maybe luck, but we we actually we actually did well in Asia. We are mm. doing well in Asia and yeah. Southeast Asia. We're probably the best, I think. Me and we and Signature maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah, but coming here, we know it's not going to be easy. So yeah. we're trying to just practice as much as you can when we're here. Mm-hmm. Just doing our best. Well, let's pedal back a bit. You started in 2015, is that correct? Yes. And you played on a variety of teams, including Shukufuku. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. Shukufuku, what was it? Ninjas or something? Shukufuku Sunshine. So Sunshine, yeah. yeah. What was that team about? It was just a random team that I had with my friends. Just some, just some yeah. mates. And so then you joined Team uh, Dreamscape. Yeah. And is, does Dreamscape have a, a, an owner who called you in, or how did, it, how did it form? I played, I actually, I was standing in for them in one game. Mm-hmm. And then the the owner asked me, not the owner, it was the CGO at the time. So he asked me to go over to China to to play for the Chinese team. Mm-hmm. So I went there to play for at least two weeks. I didn't really enjoy it there as much as I would like mm-hmm. because it was a different environment for me. Like I didn't have my family. I, I didn't. I was not. I've never been away from my family that long. Yeah. And like in a place where I have nobody. Yeah. Know, yeah. It was different for me. Where were you playing in China? I was in China. Uh, I was in Shanghai. Right. I can't really remember the place, but it was near Shanghai, somewhere, yeah. somewhere yeah. in Shanghai. Yeah. I was playing there for at least two weeks. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, was, it was difficult for me because, yeah. like, I had to learn Chinese. Mm-hmm. It was so hard to communicate with people mm-hmm. because I'm I'm not Chinese. I'm no. actually Indian. You're Indian. Yeah, I'm Indian. Oh, and the, the plot thickens. Yeah. <laughs> so it was difficult for me at first, but I st- because I know a bit of Chinese, I know all the basics. Uh-huh. So it's getting better. It was getting better for me, uh-huh. but it was still difficult because it's a different language. So, so okay, where are you from in India? How, no, I'm not. I'm not, not, I'm not from India. Where are your parents I'm, from? I'm from Sing- my parents are all from Singapore. Okay, but in Singapore we have like different races, so we are all yeah. multi-region. Yeah. So it's like there's Indian, Malay, Chinese, Eurasian. Yeah. These are the four major um, religions, uh, races in Singapore. So I'm people. Indian. Yeah, people. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so you're the Indian I'm mixed. part of it. Yeah. You're a mongrel. I'm, yeah. 
I mixed with Chinese. So that's why I know a bit of Chinese, I guess. Okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's that's very handy. Yeah. So, would you don't really do? Would you call yourself Singaporean? Yeah. You do. Yeah, okay. we're all Singaporeans. Okay. So then you did two weeks in China, and yeah. you were like, "Screw this." No, not really. I can't deal with the food. It was it was difficult. I need my noodles. Yes. My Singaporean noodles. Yes. I need everything in Singapore. I need my hawker markets. Yeah. Yeah. So you came back. Yeah. And then was that when Dreamscape were like, let's start a Singaporean team? They were already a Singaporean. They already had a established team. Yeah. Okay. They they picked me up like I because they had a gaming house and one of our players now uh, coach like future coach maybe I don't yeah. know. Okay. I, I don't know if I can say that. Oh. I don't know. Did I just get a scoop on this I, podcast? I don't know. Can I? <laughs> maybe maybe not. Like, I don't you know. You let me know afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I'll sure, give sure. you my card. You let okay. me know if, if if I can put that in my podcast. Yeah, okay. <laughs> then um, he was actually a player, so he came, he he stepped down. And then Dreamscape asked me if I can play for them because they had a gaming house and they needed a last. Okay. And I had because I finished army, like my national service in Singapore. Because Singaporeans, you have to finish two years mandatory service. Yeah, right. So I finished it and like I had a lot of time, uh-huh. so I didn't do anything. So I just said, yeah, I'll, I'll help you guys. I'll go to the gaming house. You had a lo- how how long did you have where you weren't doing anything? Very long. Well, like, how how uh, long? At least a year of. Is this why you're still watching Power Rangers? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't do anything. I just play games at home. So okay. I tried to do something for myself uh-huh. and just tried playing CS. Mm-hmm. So they called me up and they asked me to go to the gaming house with them, and I did. Right. And now I'm here. And now you're here. <laughs> and uh, so there was a bit of a clash with egos at the gaming house. Yeah. Has that been solved now that yeah, winter's come in? Yeah. It is. Right. Like we've talked about it, everybody has talked about it, and we threw away all our egos, so we, we don't really have it as much as we did before. Yeah. So. And who, like, ha- you've got this Swedish coach now, has he been helping you with your practice? Yes. Harley, um, the current IEM has been mixed, like we had, we have another coach, like I said, mm-hmm. so he's been helping with Harley, and both of, both of them have been helping us uh-huh. during our boot camps and right. stuff. Yeah, yeah and, and you're doing like specific practices? Are you practicing, you know, like certain smokes or certain setups or certain maps or are you just scrimming with the team? We, we, we try to, like, before any scrims, we try to go through like what we're going to do in that scrim so we can practice that certain thing. Even though we are losing, like before we, we always try to win scrims, mm. which is, I think, a bit stupid right now mm-hmm. because we really need to practice the way like we, we we don't necessarily need to win scrims. Mm-hmm. We just need to try it, try the strat that we are going trying to do, yeah. and like perfect it. Yeah. So when we go into a match, we don't really have a problem. Yeah. Like we don't get stuck behind smokes. We don't like a molly flies in and what the fuck are we gonna do? You know? Mm. Like, I'm sorry. Like that's all right. Yeah. What the fuck are you gonna do? All right. <laughs> so like, yeah. So just going through it, like running it as many times as we can doing streams yeah. it helps us a lot during matches yeah and how are you learning I mean like I don't know what the Singaporean scene is like yeah, it is not good okay right now so who so are you playing in the we, we try and play the top teams like Southeast Asian teams are not as good as like top Asian teams so mm-hmm. getting practice is very difficult yeah. like maybe Chinese teams their aim are very good so we try and stream Chinese teams MVP yeah we sometimes we get Tailu because they always travel, you know. So mm. most of the time we just scream MVP. Right. Right now. Okay. That's the best practice we can get. Hey, look, they're pretty good right now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty good practice for us. Are there any particular international teams who you watch, demos you study, IGLs that you follow? Uh, like right now, I think because I'm in like I'm the entry fragger, so I'm like. Practicing, I'm like watching more most entry fraggers play. Mm-hmm. Like uh, recently, I think Fur, mm-hmm. I think I really like the way Fur plays because on CT side I'm pretty aggressive, so yeah. I try to be very aggressive on CT side as much as I can. Yeah. And on T side, so it's just we have been pretty shaky recently, so we're trying to fix it. So you're not the IGL anymore? No, I'm, I've never been the IGL. You've never been the IGL? No. I just sit in the center. Where did I get this fake news from? Where do you get it yeah. from? So who's the IGL then? Like, right now it's mainly Benkai. Uh-huh. It's, it's, we, we just go, because 
I help I help a bit at the start because it's, I call the kills like I call okay. where I want to go and kill right like and then mid round Benkai takes over or right. inf uh, impression okay so yeah. you go, I'm gonna go get a pick yeah I'm gonna go try and kill this guy and I go and try and kill him or we have like because we already have plans before we try and like recently we've been playing the way our coach wants us to play so we try and plan the game before the game mm -hmm. so the first few rounds we already have it in our brain yeah. like we already know what we want to do so we don't really have problems even if if the round doesn't work we know what to do yeah so it's better than before now we get more rounds yeah because we don't really panic when we lose the rounds because we already know what to do yeah yeah that's what that's what we're trying to do right? what how's it been since boot took over the team has that changed the dynamic uh or professionalism boot? yeah is that how um the coach came in? Yes. Right. That's how um, Harley came in, DSN. Without I think without Boot we wouldn't get any of these opportunities. So we are yeah. very we are very like um, what's the word? Very grateful. yeah, grateful. Yeah, I think that's the way to say it. Do you know the owners of Boot? Do you yes, do, we know do, do they come around and check on how you're doing? Yes. Make sure you're brushing your teeth? Yes. <laughs> they always like scold us when we don't do good and really? praise us when we do good. Yeah. Tell me this. I've seen in a video you have a guinea pig in your team house. Yeah, yeah, we do. Fluffles or something? Muffles? Muffins. Muffins. Yeah, we, we had it because... Yeah, did, did you hear the story? Like, there no, was a story tell me the story. Like, we were just running around the mall getting food uh -huh. and then we decided to go into the pet store. Yeah. When we went to the pet store, we saw a guinea pig right there. Yeah. Ben Kai decided to buy it instantly, yeah. yeah, without hesitation. So he just bought it. Okay, he bought everything like the cage, the guinea pig food. So this is an impulse buy. Yeah. Does he know that guinea pigs aren't just for Christmas? Yeah. He he didn't he didn't expect it to grow that big. Now it's like huge. Is it really? Yeah. It's at, inside his house. Now. You've just met. It's, it's inside his house. Yeah. It's in a, it's it's back at his place because we stopped oh. our gaming house. Oh okay. Because it's. Pretty much too much People problem. People weren't showering. Yeah, too much problem. Right. People weren't cleaning <laughs> up after themselves. Yeah. It's not so easy in Singapore and it's so expensive. You've just described with your hands, I'm just describing with my listeners, you've just given me like the size of... Yeah, it became this big. That's like, that's a foot long. Yeah. That's like a sub. It's huge. What does he feed this guinea pig? It's normal guinea pig food, but they, nobody knew that the guinea pig could grow this big. It came already big and it, it came grew like even bigger. Okay, you you bought a baby guinea pig. Yeah, it's yeah, a real guinea pig. Yeah. Does it ever travel with no, the no, team? No, no, no. It's not the mascot. It's, it's just. It's just a guinea pig. Okay. Does doesn't doesn't bring good luck or anything. Not really. Maybe. We got it after Malmo, I think. Yeah. So, when you beat Tai Lu. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he took all the luck. I don't know. Maybe he's taken. Yeah. yeah okay. And so tell me about Winter. How's that changed the team dynamic? Um. He's. He's a very. Uh, calm player like yeah. he and Moxie you know they're yeah. pretty similar in playstyle they, they don't panic they don't have any like they're just very calm that's what that's, that's what we really needed yeah because Moxie and Moxie was a calm player yeah and, and you're a bit of a similar. hothead yeah I'm, I'm, I'm very I'm very do you bang a table no, occasionally no I don't but I just scream a lot okay yeah Moxie and uh, Winter it's pretty quiet so it's, it's pretty calming for the team it's nice to have some yeah some but sometimes sometimes he doesn't talk as much as we want him to so he's how's, learning how's his english it's pretty pretty decent okay. it's not that good but yeah it, it's difficult for him to understand us sometimes because we talk very fast right when when we speak singlish yeah like the singaporean singlish yeah so we call it singaporean way of speaking yeah. english yeah so when you speak it's sometimes too fast for him to understand what's your favorite gaming snack food I like nuts. I don't know why. You're a nut man. Yeah, I mean, not not the way. Maybe not just the normal nuts. You know, the peanuts. What like, do you mean? What do you think I was insinuating? Something? I, I don't know. Yeah. So you peanuts, not almonds. Yeah, no, just oh, the peanuts. Salted. Like, not normal. It's like they have in Singapore where you crack it and the peanuts. Oh, you got to shell them yourself. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So it's bit of effort. Yeah. You a like bit of putting effort. in the effort yeah. and getting the reward. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> How are you enjoying Sydney? It's pretty good. They came yeah. here last last week mm -hmm. for ESL Pro League. You came here for ESL yeah, Pro League? Yeah, we, we came here for ESL Pro League, the qualifier. We had a standard. Oh, you did too? Yeah. How'd you go? No, not good. Oh. We just won one map yeah. against Greyhound. But you got a taste of... Um, yeah, we got a taste of Sydney. Of the, the atmosphere, yeah. the climate. It's pretty good. Yeah. Compared to Singapore. It's not as sweaty. Yes. 
how do you deal with all the the humidity in Singapore? Like, you can never go a day without changing a shirt for me. Like I half have, a day. If I go out, I have to, I have to change a shirt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How yeah. do you? You must have massive laundry bills. Yes. Yeah, we do. Like in the gaming house, it was so hard because we had to wash clothes. Like everybody had to wash clothes. Every, almost three every three days we have to wash clothes. Yes. I feel like I lost half my body weight from stopover from Singapore once. Really? Yeah, just, you just, just sweated just it out. Stopping, stopping just, there. Just like a four-hour stopover. Went to a hawker market, got really? some noodles, lost half my body weight and sweat. Yeah, it's <laughs> insane. The humidity. Well, I hope you get the chance to do a lot more traveling with yeah. the team. We're, we're going to try our best to qualify for more stuff. Good luck. Thank you so much for Thank chatting. Thank you very with me. much. One thing to note just before we end this podcast, I did get the score of the Virtus Pro 5 power match wrong before they were up the first game. Virtus Pro were, and they have just beaten 5 power in the best of three, 2 0. They just managed to claw back. And I have to say, even though Morels was looking better on cash, they were some phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal flubs from that young man. Possibly adrenaline. I have no idea how you would explain it otherwise but surely his tenure cannot be long on what is supposedly the highest paid team in counter-strike or it was it once upon a time anyway if you enjoyed this podcast send me some feedback the truth at the truth csgo.com or on twitter at the truth csgo and until next time enjoy the game oh just one last thing uh, some of the feedback I got about which interviews you guys would like to hear next strongly suggested that Dick Stacy was the fan favorite. Unfortunately, the interview I did with Dick Stacy, perhaps because I was so bloody nervous um, <laughs> with Mr. Stacy, hasn't turned out too good audio wise. And I'm just going to see if I can salvage it. And it may take a little while before I can put that one out. But stay tuned, I will let you know next step.